What's up, it's Chapo. Earlier, I did a episode on Michael Jackson leaving Neverland. And I said a lot about that. And since then, I was able to catch part one of Oprah's after um, leaving Neverland. Part two was not available on demand for my um, cable company. They said it won't be available till tomorrow. And thank God for that, honey, because... Boy, was part one dry. I'm talking dry as chewing cat litter and washing it down with sawdust, honey. I mean, I struggled to get through it. And it was really only 59 minutes. It maybe took me three hours to watch on and off. First of all, I wasn't as angry as I was watching the Leaving Neverland documentary, but I I was annoyed and I was extremely frustrated at Oprah. Um, at the two guys, Wade and um, Safe Chuck, and the, of course this guy who put the um, entire documentary together, they're actually calling it a film. So the first thing I noticed that was rather interesting to me is that Oprah is doing the interview in front of an audience of only 100. And you can tell that this 100 people were selected or chosen you know, uh, not at random. So basically, they're they're there for a reason. They're they're there to help set the tone. And I noticed that in attendance was the Me Too founder, the hashtag Me Too founder, Gail, and I guess her son, and a lot of other people. I feel like pretty much it was just Oprah and her friends, and uh, maybe the victims' family and their friends. And and supposedly they're trying to tell you that the audience is made up of former. Or people who have been abused as well, sexually as a child, and who are here with family support. But really, again, it's really just Oprah's peoples. So, I'm listening to these guys talk. They're the worst actors I've ever seen in my life. And they're saying things like, um, molestation doesn't feel like hurt. That molestation feels like love. And I feel like that was a common, generic theme they kept saying across the board is that you may not and you don't understand that it's wrong and you don't feel that it's wrong and I, I, I did not appreciate that they said that because as I mentioned in a previous episode being someone who suffered from child molestation when I was younger I knew immediately from the first time that it happened that it was not supposed to happen and I actually said something to my abuser about it and they tried to make me feel like it was okay but I still knew that it wasn't okay and there was never a time that if I was being it was my babysit my my babysitter's um son she didn't know so if it was never a time that I was going over there to be babysat that I was like looking forward to it and I was always happy when my mom came to pick me up. So I really resented that they had the audacity to put that out there and myself um sharing with people, friends along the years on and off. And for some reason only with people that I felt like I could say it to. It's amazing like as soon as I say it I'm immediately um told or shared or, or they share something similar as well which always makes the conversation so much easier to have because now you have somebody that you can talk to about it. So what I found also is that they keep saying, like, the voice of the child who's being molested is one that 
they're not going to say, yeah, it's true. Of course, you're not going to say anything. You don't, you don't have the words. And, and for children, it's very easy to compartmentalize things, which means like when you're outside playing, you're really there. And when you're in school having fun or you're at recess, you're really there. And then when you're, you're with your abuser, you're just there. You know what I'm saying? So you don't, you don't really uh, carry it on um, as much <clears throat> like all over. But to say that all abused children felt loved or that it was of love. I don't know about that. Maybe certain people have different experiences based on if it was your father doing it to you. And maybe because because I've had a friend who had an older sister who went to Desert Storm. When she came back, she married a man, but they decided to adopt children. One of the children they adopted was a young girl. She was troubled. Um, She went into foster care because her father was uh, molesting her and actually having sex with her, penetrating her sex. And she actually grew to like it. And it came to the point that after she got to a certain age where they couldn't keep them apart talking, he started to write her and tell her that he would be coming back home. And, you know, it was a very hard day for the family because she was upset because she wanted to see him. And she felt like the stepmom, I mean, not the, the foster mom in the family was trying to, you know, she couldn't understand what was wrong about it. So I'm not saying that there aren't times where an um, abuser can completely manipulate it. But I felt like they kind of took it as a generic standard across the board to just be like, <clears throat> a child's initial reaction is, I'm in love with the person who's doing it to me. You know what I'm saying? Because they were asking them things like, you know, why would you keep going around your abuser? And said, so, well, not understanding that, uh, that it was wrong to do. You know, and then he said something like to question my relationship with Michael would be to question everything in my life. And I'm like, as deep as that kind of sounds, it's really not that deep. It's just a, a, a really runaround answer to basically just trying to say, no, I had no understanding that I was being abused. And so what struck me as odd as well is when they said, well, one of them came first before the other. I really could care less because they're both liars. But the one that said that he saw the one on TV, I think it was Safe Chuck, um, Safe Chuck was the one that said he saw him on TV, Wade, and saw that he was saying what he was saying, and he immediately went into panic. And Oprah was like, well, you know, Oprah's so stupid. Why? What, what, why, why was that? What, what, why did you immediately go into panic? And he's like, because it was happening, what Michael had always warned me about. Because remember, there was this underlining theme that Michael kept saying, you're going to go to jail, and I'm going to go to jail, and we'll never be together again, and I'm going to go to jail, and you're going to go to jail. I'm I'm not saying abusers don't try to tell you things to not say things. I'm just saying this is their, that's what they kept saying, that that Mike kept saying to them. So he said it was happening right before his very eyes, the very thing that Mike had warned him about. And so he began to panic because Mike had always told me that he would go to jail, and I would go to jail. And at that point, I, I was like, listen, you're so full of shit because at some point into your teenage, into your adult life, you had to process that shit to understand that nobody was supposed to do that to you at that age if it really happened. You understand what I'm saying? Don't, and you also, by the age that you saw him on TV coming out and you were so-called panic, you also understood by now at that fucking age that it was absolutely impossible for you to go to fucking jail if you were a child. That was that's like me saying at 34, oh my god, I don't, I wouldn't say anything to anybody because I'm so scared that I'm gonna go to jail. Because at 34, I would have to know by now. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like living in this world, you know what I'm saying? That that's not true. 
So if you were panicked, you might have been panicked, what, because Michael was going to go to jail? So now you feel you're like, you're not, I'm not, I'm not buying it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I hear what you're saying, but I, I'm not, like, I, I'm not really, I, I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, I would, I would have taken it to my grave. He's like, you know, little, little Wade, I was so, I was so cut off from little Wade that nigga, I, who coached you and who wrote your script and how many times did you rehearse this? Because it doesn't sound like you rehearsed at all. You sound terrible and you sound bad. And <laughs> he said that he went to the terror therapist, but he never told the therapist. One thing about a child that's abused, honey, we may not tell our parents. Like, I'm to this day, my mother still doesn't know. I, don't, I would never want her to know because I wouldn't want her, I wouldn't want her to um, feel like she couldn't protect me. I don't know. It's just, it's just you know, it's something I got through. So I don't feel like she needs to know. But have I shared it with people? Yeah, like you guys know I shared it with, even before that with um, people in my past, like I said, several friends, two male friends of mine who are completely honest with me, um, who, you know, like I said, these are moments, these are like window moments of just like openness and, and moments that bonded us as friends, actually, when we don't sell, we don't share it with other people, but it was good to know that we were not alone, you know what I'm saying? It, but at the same time, I know one thing's for a fact, at some point we share it with somebody, you know what I'm saying? It's not that it's just always going to be covered i believe for a fact that at some point we do we do share even if it's with a spouse you know if you get married and you say i just want to share this with you you know what i'm saying but i'm sure that we that we do share it we might not have to say this person did it or that person did it but we might share you know i feel it's very similar to someone who's any who's a victim of any kind of sexual assault why does it have to be molestation it could be rape it could be anything um, my point is, by the time you get over the point of healing or being able to talk about it, sometimes you want to talk about it because you want to help others. A lot of people use their pain moving forward. You know, they want to pay it forward to other people and help them um, to show them that they can survive and be okay. And that's cool, you know. But, <clears throat> you know, I just, I don't know. When I'm looking at these, you know, boys talking... I'm going through my notes because I know it's just so much more shit I want to talk on. Oprah's lying. Why is Oprah lying? You know, Oprah um, says that there's a love feeling towards the person that you feel that it's love. Oprah's lying because I think we all know that she was sexually abused by her father. And I'm pretty sure she said her uncle as well. I'm pretty sure it was a few men in her family, but I know for a fact it was her father. But we all know that Oprah did have her father on her show many years ago, decades ago. And she confronted her father, and and Oprah was in a place of anger. And Oprah was in such a place of anger her whole life that at some point she even denounced the one true God and the one (laughs) Messiah. Like, Oprah's on a whole nother wave, and, and, you know, that's that's her, whatever, that's her choice. But my point is when, when you, you know, she was at a very dark place for a long time concerning that. But my whole point is, if you thought that was a place of love between you and your father, even if you say, oh, well, later on, she might have snapped out of it. That's why she was like that with them on the show. No, to this day, you can't really talk to Oprah about or everything that was happening to Oprah from that time on her father. You, you know, it's wrong. I don't know how you just don't know that it's wrong. Like, you know, I'm not saying that um, maybe you might not get eventually manipulated to like your tiger, which never happened to me. You know what I'm saying? Like. You know, it was just one of those things you just didn't want to be there. You just didn't want to be around. You know, it was like it's, it's horrifying to be dropped off somewhere and then see your, your, you know, your mom go. 
and you're gonna be there for like the day, you know what I'm saying? And it's like so that's, that's like the most never ending day when you're with your abuse. So I can't understand somebody saying, "Well, I just want to keep going around because you know," and you know, I I can't understand that and say, "Well, because you know, I was brainwashed with was love," you know. Blah, blah. And I'm not saying that my attacker like was mean to me after anything like, but. Child, I just don't, I feel like children, like animals, can sense love, can sense hate, can sense shit like that, you know? Don't give me that shit that the first time the kid is not running around here like, what the fuck, sabotage me, even if they can't put it into words. Like, I'm just not buying that, and that's what they're saying. And then they totally misquoted um, Mike, because I watched a documentary. Thank God I watched it, like, right before, too, and everything was still fresh in my mind. Oprah says, yeah, you could tell because they were selling this whole grooming in advance shit, you know, that the groom, the family was being groomed, you know, and that the, ch- the child was the, the abuser grooms the child for the manipulation and Michael was grooming these children. And Oprah says, yeah, because I remember I heard a phone. No, no, you were interviewing him on a flight back from Hawaii, she said. And I remember he said that his favorite part of being there was being with you. And I remember he was saying, I'm not just saying that, da, 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 da. She's like, and so, you know, that that implies love. Like, that implies love. And I was like, Oprah, you're the most devilish bitch I've ever seen. Because for most people, that's going to go over your head. Being that I just saw the fucking documentary, and that's why sometimes, like, it, people could twist the fuck out of words. That's not what was said. And he, it was literally him on the recording. What he said was, my favorite um, Pepsi commercial was the one I did with you. And I'm not just saying that. It's my favorite because it had a lot of heart. I even went back. So I didn't appreciate Oprah doing what the fuck she does best. Like a little devil bitch girlfriend, Gail. You know what I'm saying? It's like manipulate words because um, she was like, yeah, because that's what he said. He said, uh, you know, he was saying things like my favorite part was was being there with you. And, and I'm like, and even if he did say that, why does it have to be that um, he, he was giving him something to take home? You know, you're my fan. If I give you something and I say, you know, you're really cool, you're really dope, you're you're like the, the coolest kid I've ever met. Okay, well, now all of a sudden I said that because I wanted to get in your, I, want, I wanted to get in your drawers. <laughs> like, just twisting everything around. And then he goes, the grooming had started long before we met Michael. And the audience said, mm, mm, mm. And I said, is this a motherfucking commercial for Campbell's Soup? How many mmms is we going to get up in this bitch? Stage shit. Oprah's motherfucking friends, like, three, two, one. Mm. That was the biggest mm I ever heard in my motherfucking life. Everybody made the same motherfucking sound at the same motherfucking time. It was like a mm on this side and a oh and a wow and a you know no nigga. Everybody made the same sound. Hey, you might you might as well did the wave in perfect unison. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I know Oprah was like, "Thank you, perfect, perfect." And I'm like, "How did the now now they're trying to say he Ben was doing this? Talking about even from the spell he was casting." Of the aura of who he was. So, like, before we even met him, we was already in... Well, listen, you know what? Just, I, I, I can't... Okay, wait. I'm going to tell you the one that... I'm, I'm going to tell you the one. I'm going to tell you the one that really got me. When Safe Chuck was like... I think it was Safe Chuck. One of them... They so... I'm, child was so dry watching that shit. I, 
Bitch, you need gravy, Vaseline, coconut butter, or coconut oil, nigga. How dry was that motherfucker? Oprah, you it's getting stale, boo. It's getting stale. I remember when you had real stories, Oprah. I remember when you had real stories and, you know, people was hanging off the edge of their seats. And, and now you can't even get a story with Michael Jackson, even with with as much uh, juicy, negative, false information that you're sticking in it. It still stinks, man. Like, it's bad. It's it's just, you know, and if people are eating this up, I, I, I feel that society is just so dead in the brain because this is this is trash. I wouldn't have I wouldn't accept this is Oprah's. So like, come on, you put your name on this shit. This shit is trash. Anyway, when he said one of them boys said when they went over there with the family. Um, actually, this was Wade. The Australian boy, <clears throat> he said that the choreographer, when he went over there to the house with the family and they were getting ready to leave the night before, Michael was sobbing in the corner. A uh, very scary uh, sight for a seven year old as far as he never seen him upset like that. Uh, he was he was out you know moaning, wailing out loud like a kid. And so when he asked them why, he said, it's because you guys are leaving tomorrow. I don't want you all to leave. Then he has the nerve to say to Oprah. Oh my God! He said. She said. Um, when he was sobbing in the corner, he's he's like, you know, as my as a seven year old child, the first thing that came to my mind was that he's gonna turn into the werewolf from Thriller. You you that that that's where you fucked it up. That's where you fucked it up. It been fucked up. But I mean, like, if you really wanted to, throw, you know, like, if I threw the notebook, that threw the notebook, because I you, you, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I'm I'm fucking done with you. I'm done with you. Yo, first of all, some people don't need to be in, in directing. Some people don't need to be in filming. Some people don't even got the mind. You see Jesse. You see Jesse. Did you see Jesse? What his failed fucking attempt to stage some shit? Some people still haven't developed the shit. It's not, it's, it hasn't been pushed through yet. Like, it's, it's half cooked, half baked. It's still raw in the middle. That shit need to be browned a little bit more. And it's the same thing with these motherfuckers. Like, they're supposed to be actors. I know one is a choreographer. One is definitely, uh, whatever, a director or filmer or does something with film. But you could tell that, and they both have actors in their name. You could, you could tell that their skill is just, they still wet behind the ears on that shit because this is terrible. When, when I said, I, I, looked at, I looked at Oprah, I said, this the shit you co-signing, Oprah? The boy said that he, oh, am I really supposed to believe that he believed that? Yeah, he was going to dead ass turn. Yeah, yep. He was going to turn to the werewolf. You, yep. Get out. <laughs> like, get the fuck out. My this is bad. This this is another one that's good for lifetime. Oh, where are we? I'm, I think I'm almost done. They asked him, one of these boys, uh... Oh, this was way too. Did you think that you were owed the money? They want to know like why? What? Why is this a uh, civil aspect or something like that? Then he said it didn't. He said uh, no, no. Uh, it isn't a thought of mine. It wasn't a thought of mine. Um, th- that that's just the system. That's just the way it's set up. Then he said something else to kind of get out of that and segue to like the estate and something about holding them accountable and bringing it forward and bringing it to their attention or something like that. But. I found it very odd that he, what a fucking lying dog. No, it has nothing to do with money. 
Um, your answer to that is just that's just the way the system works. Meaning, if I happen to get money, then I just have an idiot. You just get out of my fucking TV. Then you want to know why it took me three hours to watch it. I'm, I mean, I'm not a slow girl. It's just certain things you got to walk away from. I'm not trying to break my TV appliance, nigga. I, I need it for shit. He's still healing. He'll be working on it for the rest of his life. The audience claps for him like he's really some wounded creatures. I saw red eyes, but you know what? I just think that niggas is just popping shit, smoking marijuana. I'm not buying anything that anybody's talking about. And, uh, oh, <clears throat> my suspicion is, has always been that their um, families were rivaling with one another for Michael's attention. Uh, even one mother said that when she did meet other families, they were extremely tight-lipped. Like, they were, um, supposedly they're saying that's how Michael trained them. But I think that they just were kind of like any... I I personally... F- Look, this is how I feel like it went down in my mind, okay? These are momagers or these parents are definitely doing things that aren't normal or average or allowing people to spend all this time, whatever, inappropriate, so-called situations. I don't believe things happen or whatever, but my point is that they wouldn't let anybody else do unless they had about this money or this influence as Michael, right? So obviously you want your child to be around this person because you feel they could do something for them. It's an investment. You're investing time. You're investing all this shit. You're dealing with a lot of maybe even weird stuff like babysitting Michael and having him come sleep over at your house or whatever, when you see another family come in, it's very much similar to uh, a parent who has a child in a pageant or a competition. And then, you know, you want your daughter to be the prettiest or you want your son to be the most talented. You want them to take home the number one prize. And then all of a sudden you turn around and all these other cute kids come in. And, and you, you know, as much as you want to be like, you know, you, you kind of start to get jealous, too. You know, like, oh, my gosh, well, what if she gets it? And she's cute. But, you know, like, well, what's her mama? Her mama ain't all that. I'm the best uh, momager over her momager. And, you know, you start to get to this thing. You're com- you start to get combative, combative and competitive is basically what I'm saying. You're not going to be running around here talking about, well, there's room enough for all of us. For Michael, you start to wonder, well, well, how long were they here? Or how long, you know, who was first and stuff like that. And, you know what I'm saying? And, um. You you could hear it in the leaving Neverland when the boy was talking. He was saying, uh, you know, and then Jordy came. He was like, and there was this kid, and he was like, and then there was this other kid who's like bully me, and but he kept talking about Jordy, and Jordy ended up being the one that uh, started the whole 1993 scandal, I believe. I'm not sure. Yeah, and he just the way he was talking about him, even today, you could tell he was just rolling his eyes like Jordy, like Jordy, like anybody who would be mad. That somebody came <laughs> and took their spot in the light. You used to be on stage. I mean, come on. It just sounds like a story of jealousy and anger. You know, they said, would you say that, would you have done this interview if Michael was still alive? Which I know Michael can see this. I don't give a fuck what nobody saying because Michael's still alive. So it's like, it's like, oh, man. Long story short, they didn't answer. The audience laughed. But, it, you know, I, I know you wouldn't. You cowards. You're doing this shit now. Um the family has responded and, and, and obviously is furious like I am and anybody else who got enough sense to know like this is just like one I mean I, it's not even um, elaborate it's not even an elaborate attempt that's kind of like oh it's so crafty like and well put together it's very it's such an insult to Michael because of how poorly put together it is you know you know, actually, I feel like even a lot of the so-called uh, stories that they shared, um, you know, 
again, is like some bad scripted writing. That's just how it comes off to me. I was not at the edge of my seat. I was not. And it's not because I was being narrow-minded because they're talking about Mike. I gave them every opportunity in, in the world to, to share their side by simply watching. But it was hard to watch for so many reasons. The bullshit lies. Uh, how dry it was. The bad acting. The, the, the bad wardrobe. Everything, it was, everything was bad about it. Bad hair. <laughs> One of them looked stoned out his eyes. His, his eyes was dilated. I was like, look at that. That's, I, could throw, I could put my whole fist through his fucking pupil right now. How high are you? You can't feel shit. We don't know what you're talking about. This nigga busted out a box of rings. We don't know what the fuck, where you got them shits at. We were married. Nigga, that's the best shit you could have wrote down that y'all was married. Are you gay or not? Like, because you have a wife. Like, so you, what is the fuck you, what are you trying to, what, which part exactly are you trying to sell to us? That you're still in love, (laughs) that you was hurt, that you're not gay, but you was married to a man. I can't, I'm confused. You don't even know. That's how bad the writing got with this shit. And you know what? For the sake of the almighty dollar, they hit record anyway, and they just went on. <clears throat> All the mothers was, was having a good time. I could imagine extravagant gifts. You got your kid on the phone, Michael Jackson, seven hours on the, uh, on the school night. Well, you know, whether he was doing good or bad or not, you know what you was doing. Oh, I, guys, I looked into the cost of releasing doves. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I'm going to do that at some point in my life. I just got to figure out. First of all, you got to how you even plan something? I guess it got to be something you know is coming up, right? Because, like, I'm going to be walking around with, like, two doves every fucking day or a dove, like, in the street looking like pigeon lady. That's not going to work. So, the cost of releasing doves. $150 to $350 for a pair of doves. $200 to $500 for the release of 10 to 20 doves. And then it gets a little higher than that if you want to release like 31 doves. I guess people probably go like by their birthdays. But I stopped at from a pair to about 10. But I don't know that I would ever do... 10 to 20. Seems like the more you release, the cheaper they are. Why is that? Anyway. So then, like, I was also thinking about R. Kelly in the situation with Gail King, right? <laughs> and I was thinking about his outburst. And then I was like, wait a minute. Then I remember that saying, then I remember the same, you know, part of my dad saying, um, bitch, I'm from Chicago. That, that saying got coined. And one of the number one places it was said that was on the drag race. Because every fucking queen that I've ever seen in the history of drag race that came from Chicago, always ready to fight and always got a motherfucking attitude. And the first thing that come out their mouth is, bitch, I'm from Chicago. Or, I'm from Chicago, bitch. It, it doesn't matter what order it is, whether bitch is in the front or bitch is in the back. I'm from Chicago is always there. And then I said, what, what the fuck they worried about, nigga? This is Chicago. 
Chicago kind of looked like New York, but they'd be more angry. I think in Chicago, that was a normal outburst. I don't know that Chicago saw the outburst like the rest of the world. I think Chicago saw that shit and got right respect for the bro. Like, hell yeah, Kelly's. Like I said, fuck Gail King and Oprah. Oh, my gosh. Two sellout black bitches. And then people just still be running around here kissing their ass. I be trying to tell you. <clears throat> Oprah... Because, you know, you know when Michael died, Oprah running around here holding Janet's hand. She going to hold Janet's hand. She going to cry with Janet, wipe Janet's tears, and brush her hair out her face and all of that. That's Oprah. Collect the check. But at the same time, anytime they're going to put her brother back in the news, any other time, she going to be right there collect that check too. Now, let something happen to Janet. She's going to be, Janet, you know your family. And you know we love you and Michael. And you know. Whatever them, these niggas don't got. They're psychopaths, sociopaths, all for the sake of a check. These niggas ain't got no soul, nigga. Wherever the fuck the story goes, where the fuck they gonna go? And Oprah looked terrible. And what kind of boots she had on her damn feet? Oprah, you not that young anymore. Damn. Oprah looks so bad sometimes. I mean, my, my mother always says, my mother said, oh, <laughs> my mother and I used to watch movies with Oprah in it. And she used to be like, boy, that's one ugly woman, boy. She used to always say that. And I used to be like, my, that's not right. She'd be like, Oprah's not a good-looking woman. <laughs> and so over the years, she got, like, she got better and stuff. But, like, my mother was never sold on that. She just wasn't ever really sold that Oprah was. And, you know, I guess it's just, I guess, you know, it's lighting and angles and Money could make anybody look good sometimes. I mean, we all know her feet is toe up from the flow up. You know what I'm saying? Everybody got to even question that. She disrespectless with them shits all the time on the red carpet. She is not fixing them, and she's always going to put them out for us to see. Shit. Like she strapped a whole redillion onion on the side of her foot. Shit. All right. I think I'm done here. <laughs> oh, that went by a little better than I thought. Let me see. Yeah, then I saw the skit with um Keenan on Saturday Night Live doing R. Kelly. And that's the second time, Keenan. You did Bill, now you did R. Kells. Don't one day, Keenan, they might roast your ass and let's see who's on NSL doing you. You know what I mean? I know you're getting the check, bro, but they really using you for them roles for them niggas. I, I see that. They didn't make him Jussie. They made some other nigga Jussie on SNL, which that skit was terrible. Um, the one they did with Trevor Noah and Jabuki Young White was way better. NSL's trash. These, I mean, like, everything is going down. Damn, we don't get quality shit anymore. Everything is watered down. <sighs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, so when I was watching these, I mean, this is the last thing I'll say. I just felt like I was, when I was watching the Oprah thing, I just felt like I was living, like, you remember that show, Living in the Land of the Lost? Oh, my gosh. If you remember that show, I'm showing both our ages right now. Remember how the family was just driving one day in California, and the floor cracked, and then they went under, and there was a whole other world with dinosaurs? That's how the fuck I felt. I felt like, how do I get back home? It's an hour documentary, and I feel so lost. It's not lost, but just like, I just... I need to get out of it so I can get back home, but it's like the longest journey ever to get through this fucking 59 minutes. First of all, it was dry. Even if it was a lot of fucked up shit being said and not true, which was there too, if it was just better scripted for me, I would have been able to swallow it better. It's kind of like when you get bad chicken or something, you put some hot sauce on it because hot sauce makes anything go down better. You know what I'm saying? It's like that. It's like I had no hot sauce to help me wash it down. It's the worst thing. It's like eating salty-ass chips or some sunflower season. 
you know, you went for the water and you realize it's vinegar. It's no good. It's no good, you know, and, and I just call bullshit on the whole thing. So tomorrow, if it is available, like they said, it's going to be, or today, I should say, because it's already the next day. So it's usually upstates like between 9 and, and nine a.m. and noon. I'll watch the second part. <clears throat> I was actually very thankful that it wasn't available because... I feel like I wasted a whole day of my life on this shit. But at the same time, I'm glad because I didn't want to speak on something that I didn't see. So, <sighs> my mouth is dry after doing two episodes. I have this water here, but it's warm. And I like my water to be a certain temperature. That's why I, like, I have like a lot of half-empty water bottles like sometimes laying around. It's not my fault. It's just, it's not that I don't want to finish it. It's just by the time I get to the bottom, it's warm. And I just like, I start over. And that shit happens again and again. And then eventually, just looking at all these bottles, and you got to pour one to see the other and um, conserve. And that's probably a little bit too much information. But I will see you all next time here on Chapa's Counter. Mm-hmm.